see you tonight. I'm glad you're here. Take a moment and pray and get our time started. Father, thank you for your love for us tonight. We thank you that you're a God who heals and you're a God who makes us whole. And so tonight we come to you to make us whole, body, soul, and spirit. I ask God that you would teach us. I ask God that you would lead us in the truth tonight. I pray, Father, that we would be open to what you want to say and what you want to do. If, I, if there's some areas we need to change our minds, that we change our minds, areas where we need you to work in us to, to cause something to happen or to assist something along, God, I pray that we'd be open to allow that in our hearts and our minds tonight. So, Father, we pray for your presence. We acknowledge your presence here. We acknowledge your purpose in us growing and us becoming and us maturing. And we thank you for that. And we thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit to see that happen. So tonight, have your way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles or if you need a Bible, you can grab one off a table. But we'll be turned to Romans chapter 8. Book of Romans chapter 8. As you're turning there, just a quick reminder that we have an interactive feature for Bible study, and that is through a website at www.speakpipe.com. That's S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E.com slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word. There you'll find a button that you can toggle, and you can leave what appears to be a voice mail message for us. It could be a comment, question, anything that you would like to leave there to participate in our time. We'd love to hear from you. So Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Someone like to read that? The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Alright, thanks for reading that. Uh, this passage, this verse here, uh, describes, uh, so it starts with a negative. And a lot of times when I'm speaking I, and I tell people, when I train them to speak, you don't tell people what you don't want them to know. And I think generally that's the truth. Uh, you don't really pull out like, well, this is not what I want you to know. And I don't think that's what Paul is doing here. I think he wants them to understand both sides of this equation. That's why he starts with the negative side of it. And he tells us what God has not given us. And I, I think there has to be, because it's there, there's, there's likely something that is instructive about it. Something that he wants us to learn about what God hasn't done. What God hasn't given us. And to understand that the source of it is not God. And what is it? Well, it's what he describes there. A spirit of bondage. Uh, he, he says that we are free from the slavery to fear. And that that spirit that God gave us is not a spirit of slavery and a spirit of fear. And the only way you can describe that is that the way he describes it here is that we're free from that slavery, that bondage to fear. It, it's uh, The way you would describe it is such a spirit as would be found in slaves. 
He says that's what God has not given us. And so you think about what kind of a spirit would be found in slaves. Well, fear, alarm. It could be anger. could be resentment. Uh, most likely, survival. I mean, there's a lot of uh, ways that you could describe that. And remember, slavery in, in this part of the world, in Rome, at that time was common. Uh, every culture in the world at that time probably had slaves. I don't know that for a fact, but I know most of the dominant cultures did. And Rome was no different than that. Greece had slaves during their heyday, and they probably did even during this time. And so this was something that they understood. This was something that they experienced every single day. And so they understood. And some of the people that Paul was writing to in the Roman church were likely slaves or former slaves. And so he's writing to them and he's saying, this is what God has not given us. And so whatever you would recognize as reflecting that, whatever you would recognize in your own life that reflects whatever the spirit is would be found in a slave, whether it's fear, and he points out fear in particular, or alarm, or it could be anger, or barely surviving, or those types of worries, or those types of anxieties that come into our life. What's important about that is to understand that God has not given that to us. You think about what a slave is. A slave lives in bondage. What do we live in bondage to? What are we slaves to? You begin to think about some of those things, right? Yeah, what, what are some things that we as a culture, as a people, live in bondage to? And you look around us and you can begin to see that. You can begin to see some of those things. Whether it's drugs or alcohol. And I'm not saying everybody lives in bondage to that, but how many people do? It could be gambling. It could be just about anything. I mean, you start naming down things that, that people enjoy. Well, there could be a bondage associated with that. Right? And so, as you go down through that list, you see that slavery, that, that, that spirit of slavery, that spirit of bondage, could be attached to just about anything. Could you be in bondage to watching television? Sure. You could be in bondage to, like I said, just about anything. How about eating? Yeah. Now, eating is a normal human activity, right? And yet you can you can attach a bondage to that. Necessary for life. Right. Some people are, are in bondage to their phones. Phones are a great tool, but but some people can't set it down. Some people can't stop looking at it. You know, studies that show how often somebody looks at their phone. It's incredible the number of times a day the average person will look at their phone. You can be in bondage to that. Exercise. You can be in bondage to exercise. I mean, just crazy thoughts about it. Crazy thoughts about it. And so, and so any of those things, any, any of those things, and some of those things are very normal. Some of those things are healthy. Some of those things are very healthy. Some of those things are, are, are excellent ways to live. And yet, if you attach a bondage to it, it becomes destructive in our lives. When the Bible talks about, sometimes when it talks about a spirit of something, not always. Sometimes it's just talking about a literal spirit, like a spirit. Like the Holy Spirit. But, but a lot of times in the Bible when it talks about a spirit of something, 
It's the language that they're using. And I want you to define that as the dominant habit or frame of mind associated with whatever it is. That's the spirit of it. The dominant habit or frame of mind. So, a spirit of bondage. is that You think of that as a dominant habit or frame of mind to whatever is holding on to you. Or of whatever is holding on to you. Whatever that leads to, however that affects you, however that affects the way you see things, however that affects the way you receive things, however that affects the way that you understand things, however that affects the way you interact with other people, you interact with God, you're able to hear what other people say to you, you're able to hear what God is able to say to you or not. All of those things are related to that. And so what this passage says is that that's not from God. Now, these people that he, he was talking to, at least some of these people that he was even related to, were slaves to the law. They were terrorized by the law. And, and again, the law in and of itself is the law. But the way we interact with it, we can have a spirit of bondage toward it. And he was speaking to these people that they, they had the spirit of a slave toward the law. And, and so they were being terrorized. And see, the, the law is a system not of blessings, but of threats. Think about what the law is. The law is do this or what? Else, <laughs> something's going to happen, right? See, it's a system of threats which produces what in us? Fear. 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 Right. Yeah. Um, you said there were bondage and slavery to the law, meaning like they're, they're reading it and trying to follow it? And what happens if you don't? punished so they strive harder and harder to try to follow the law and lose sight of important important things the like relationship with God and each other yeah, that, right. I struggle with relationship yeah. so yeah. I'm thinking about how society like really encourages us to be addicted to different things mm -hmm. and it you know it promotes it because it's where money is and everything else um was it as pronounced back then as it is now? I mean, or if things just got progressed to a point where it's like screaming pitch in our ears, like all the time, you need this, you need this, you need this. Well, I think that, uh, think about Rome. What was wrong with Rome? If you think about it, what was wrong with Rome? There was what going on there? Hedonism. Hedonism, right. And that was encouraged. Uh, you think about like something like... Right? It, was, it was consumerism. It was, well, it was hedonism. They were pushing it. Right. And so you need this, you want this. I mean, their society wasn't that much different in, in some ways, even though it was thousands of years ago. And we, we have media, we have other ways that we're contacted, but you think about their society, there, there's a lot wrong with that. And there's a lot of bondage in that. And it was encouraged. You think about their forms of entertainment. 
were excessive. They were excessive forms of entertainment. Or what about, uh, in, and I know Saturday Night Live used to do this, but like the vomitoriums. Why would they have vomitoriums? So they could eat more. So they could eat more, right? They could stuff themselves more with food. They drank, they gambled, they overate, they were excessive. So, I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. It might just be a shifting of the particular things, but when you really look down at it, the, down to the root, it's all pretty much the same things. Well, humans, humans are the same. And this is where we, we really miss the boat looking at history. Humans are the same. So, you look at their bondages in Rome, they're, they're the same as our bondages now, in a lot of ways. What, food, drink, sex, violence, entertainment, go down the list. Right. Right. So, let's look at uh, Galatians 4.3. Somebody look that up. Okay, verse 9. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Okay. So these verses describe the elemental forces of the world. Which is another way of saying that we are affected by the same spiritual issues as people were thousands of years ago. People are people with the same weaknesses and with the same issues now as they had then. And it's important to understand that. And if we are left to our own devices, which we are, if we choose to be, we end up back where we started. So, so is it right to say that these things are a, a, a failed or an awful surrogate for what we really want, what we really need, the relationship with God? <laughs> the only, I would say the only remedy, the only remedy to not living under those elemental forces of the world is a relationship with God. Because that's our default. Is to live under those forces. And so, what God does is He declares, or Paul declares, that, alright, so this is what God hasn't given you. So, those things come from wherever they come from. The elemental forces of this world, uh, from inside of us, wherever they come from, they come from, but that is not given to us by God. So what? why is that handy knowledge? Why is it good to know what I just said? 
you find yourself, let's say you find yourself in, in a position where if you continue down the road you're on, you know you're going to end up in bondage or you're already in bondage to something. What can you know about that? It's not from God. Right, why is that important? Because we are excellent at fooling ourselves. We are excellent at lying to ourselves. We are excellent at convincing ourselves that something, oh, it, and we'll either do it one of two ways. We'll say, well, God is, is leading me into this, and if it's leading you into bondage, that's absolutely incorrect. Or God doesn't care about this, which is also absolutely incorrect. That spirit, that spirit that leads us down that road, that spirit that leads us into that bondage, that spirit that leads us into that slavery, that leads us into that fear, that leads us into that alarm, that stress, whatever that thing is, is not from God. And we can be assured of that. So, so step one, I believe, an important step for us is to not lie to ourselves. And to stop lying to ourselves about what is going on. If the truth of the matter is that I'm just doing what I want to do, then that's what the truth of the matter is. If the truth of the matter is I'm just letting myself go into the elemental things of this world and I'm just letting myself go to do whatever is going to happen to me, then that's the truth of the matter. But at least that's the truth. Lying to ourselves takes us even further away from deliverance. Lying to ourselves takes us even further away from healing. It takes us further away from wholeness with God. It just takes us further away. It takes us further away from people. It takes us further away from Him. It takes us further away from who we really are. And so those lies need to stop. And there are certain truths that we can hold on to that we can understand. It's like, this is against what God is doing. This is against His principles of who He is. Slavery is against the principles of who God is. Bondage is against the principles of who God is. So it gives us a spirit, a new spirit in us. So what He hasn't given us is slavery. What He does give us is a spirit of adoption. So that's what we do get. So no slavery, but a spirit of adoption. And so because we get a spirit of adoption, then we are given and we are taken to be sons. And I know you ladies, you're included in that. I can say children, but sons is an important distinction because sons are who get the inheritance. Sons are the ones that are, are given all of the goodies from the father. The blessings are passed down through the sons. The inheritance is passed down through the sons. And that's what we've been adopted as. So if you want to if you want to put children in there you can but you have to keep in mind that you have been given the inheritance you've been given the blessing and that's important. And so we're given a new spirit in us it's a spirit of adoption and it's assumed that we are sons. And so the the real the real thing that that then comes up is then why go back to fear? That if we haven't been given a spirit of fear or slavery, 
and we've actually been given a spirit of adoption, then our assumption is, and the truth of the matter is, is that we're sons. And if we're sons, why would we ever go back to slavery or fear? And so that becomes the important question in this equation. Because you're talking about the spirit of adoption. I mean, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. What made Jesus, what made Jesus God's son? The, hmm? the Holy Spirit. What part of the Holy Spirit? How, I mean, how, what, where, the Holy Spirit, how did that happen? Tell me how it happened. There's Mary, right? She's a human. And the Holy Spirit impregnated her. And so because the Holy Spirit impregnated her, Jesus was then the Son of God. Well, that's why we have a spirit of adoption. Alright? Because we have, we have a, a physical father and a physical mother. At least I think we all do, right? <laughs> yeah, right? So we have a physical father, a physical mother, and so we're not brought into sonship through that. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, brings us into sonship through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Adoption. It's just as legal, and it's just as valid. That's who we are. I was adopted by my father. I mean, that, this is a real story. I was adopted by my earthly father. And after I was adopted, I remember it. I was old enough to remember being adopted. And I was at court. And the judge asked me as I was sitting there, do you want him to be your father? Do you want to do this? And I said to the judge, yes, sir, I do. And so, whatever legal papers were signed, whatever judgments were made, it was all handed down. My name changed that day. My last name, I had to learn how to spell it. I had to write it down and carry it with me when I was in school because my name changed. And I spell it. But from that point on, that was my real father. And I've always thought of him that way. Even later on, people say, oh, you were adopted. Do you know your real dad? Right, my real dad is this man right here. Because he loved me enough to choose me and to give me his name. And, they, they always, and people would always try to get me to talk about uh, the biological side of it. And I just never wanted to talk about it. Because it didn't matter. From that point on and that day on, I was a Mitchell. And I've been a Mitchell ever since. And so that's my name. Not only is it my name, it's my kids' names. And not only is it my kids' names, it's my wife's name. We're all Mitchells. From that day forward. And so that was the end of it. People will ask me about my heritage and say, oh, Mitchell, that's such and such. And I'll just you know, go along. I don't even think about it. I'll go, oh, yeah, it's English. And I'll talk about it. <laughs> I am adopted, though, for namesake. But that's my dad. And so I, I don't have a real problem with this idea of a spirit of adoption. 
It makes perfect sense to me. I actually lived through it in a physical reality. And so, when it talks about us being adopted, we've taken by the Holy Spirit, it makes me God's child. And what that's supposed to do in us, it is supposed to prompt in us a response, a passion in us. Somebody look at 2 Timothy 1.7. And it's going back to the idea of not going back to the fear. 2 Timothy 1.7. For the spirit of for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Alright, God has not given us and what's he telling Timothy? He's not giving us a spirit of fear. Or being timid. But then he describes what he does give us. And it's all awesome stuff. That's what the Spirit of God gives us. And so we've been adopted in the Holy Spirit. We have a Father, and it prompts in us a passion, or it should prompt in us a passion. And if it doesn't prompt a passion in you, you may want to think about it, and you may want to concentrate on it a little bit. You may want to let it just roll over in your thoughts and in your mind and in your heart a little bit until it does prompt some kind of passion in you. Because we should be passionate about the one who has chosen us. In fact, it says through here, it says that, it says we cry out. Abba. And that that word cry is a passionate word. It describes intense emotion, spontaneous emotion from a realization that someone, that the God of the universe has chosen us and He's put a spirit of adoption in us and we can now call Him Father or Dad. However you want to describe that. Let's look at a few verses on this. Look at John 8. John, Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 32 through 36. John 8, 32 through 36. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have been enslaved with anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Alright, that should be exciting somehow in us. That should really be exciting. It's because there's a lot in that verse. It talks about where we came from. And it talks about the provision that's been made for us. And it talks about where we are now and where we're going. And it's really a a statement that's being made there. It's bringing us through a wall that we can never get through. We can never get over. We can never get around. Ever in our own strength. And we're being brought through that wall, through that statement, through our relationship with Jesus. We're not sons of Abraham. We're not. Most of us. I don't think any of us are here. None of us have a claim like that. And yet we've been brought through that wall. Through Jesus. That he's, he's just been, come on, let's go through on there. Let's go. And so we were slaves to sin. We were sinning. And it doesn't matter how, how old you were when you became a Christian. It, it just matters that you need to understand where you came from. That we were born into slavery. Each and every single one of us were born into slavery. We were born into sin. 
And that was going to be our destiny, every single one of us. But provision was made, and at some point in our lives, we chose to come into that provision. And by making that choice, we were brought through this wall we could have never passed through. We could have done anything about it. Nothing. And yet, He has decided to set us free. He has made that decision. He has made the provision for that to happen. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And that means in the way we live, the way we think, and the way we go about our lives. That's what He has for us. That's what He has for us. We need to leave behind the slavery. We need to leave behind the fear. We need to leave behind, just just let go of that. Don't go back to that. Romans 8.20. Just go down into Romans 8 a little bit. Five verses. Romans 8.20. Anybody? For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought to the freedom and glory of the children of God. Alright, man, do you hear that? Do you, do you not see that the world is living in frustration? You know what I mean? Can you not see that? Can you not see the anger and the frustration that's just boiling over in the world that we live in? Well, yeah. And you look at it and it's like the hopelessness and the, and the decay that's going on. All the things that are described in that verse that were going on in that day that are still going on today. And in the midst of all of that frustration, in the midst of all that anger, in the midst of all that stuff boiling over, provision has been made that for people to come into freedom and liberty to be the children of God. If they choose to do it. It's as simple as that. And we who have chosen to do it need to understand our position in that. We who have chosen to enter into that need to understand what it really means in our life. Instead of it just being a set of rules and regulations to live by, instead of it just being you know, somewhere to go on Sunday morning, instead of it just being something, oh, I can be a better person by it, it's a lot more than that. So we've been set free from that frustration. We've been set free from that decay. We've been set free from those bondages. We've been set free from that fear. Been set free from that slavery and brought into a place where we're really the children, the sons and daughters of God. Period. And because of that, because of that, something should well up in us every now and then where we can cry out. Something should cry out in us every now and then. Some intense, emotional, spontaneous response that says, Daddy or Dad or Father or whatever it is we're going to cry out because those are feelings that are due a father. They just are. A good dad, we have a due feeling toward a good dad. We love him. We cry out to him. We express our emotion to him. We grab onto him sometimes and we don't let go because that's what's due him. Regardless of how crappy your earthly dad was or how awesome he was, what is due our Heavenly Father may be something completely different than what was due our dad here on the earth. 
And if that's the case, so be it. But don't hold it against your heavenly Father the way you feel about your earthly dad. And learn to love Him more. Learn to cry out to Him more. Learn to to release emotion to Him more. Learn how to grab hold of Him and not let go more. We can say dad to Him. You know, Paul uses two different words here because he wants to be clear. He uses Abba, which is Aramaic for Father, and then he repeats the same thing. He says Father in Greek. So let's let's be clear on this. You want to talk to the Jewish people? Talk to them, Daddy. You want to talk to the Greek people? Talk to them, Daddy. Let's be clear on this. Then no matter where we've come from, no matter what our background was, no matter what our history has been, what we've been called into and what provision has been made for us is that we have relationship, we have freedom, we have liberty with our real, true, present, loving Father. We have been burst into it, adopted into it by the Holy Spirit. Got a new name. You might need to learn how to spell it, but you got a new name. And from that day forward, it changes. And it will it should affect everything else in your life. It should. It should affect the people you're around. It should affect whatever spiritual children you have. It should affect the relationships that you're in. It should affect all those things. All those things. Everything. Everything. Because you think about affection and love and being protected and having a a confidence like like children of a, a good and mighty and wonderful Father. It's so good. It's so good. Especially if you didn't have a good earthly father, you should be first in line. Right? And I know we use that as an excuse, and I know we, we say, well, I'm having trouble getting close to my heavenly father because I didn't have a good relationship with my father. And yeah, be first in line for that, alright? Get first in line because, I mean, if you didn't have a good earthly father, man, you need a heavenly father. You really do. We all need to be fathered. All of us. And I don't care where you came from, whatever. we all need to be fathered. If we're going to be, ever be good disciples of other people, we need to have been fathered. Because disciples are fathered, not mothered. They start. And we need that in our lives. We've got a generation of kids right now growing up without dads. And you know, I've been saying that for 20 years. Yeah, and, and they don't make really... A lot of them haven't made really good adults. Alright? Because they, they have trouble with that. Because they weren't fathered as children. And so they have trouble growing up. They have trouble taking responsibility. They have trouble living responsibly as adults. We need the work of the Father in our lives. We need to be able to introduce people to the work of the Father in their lives so that they can get fathered too. All I can encourage you to is that this is better. This is better. This is better than just just getting by. This is better than just 
just you know being a better person or whatever it is that you think Christianity is all about or relationship with God is all about, this is much better. Let Him be your Father. Let Him literally be your Father. That power of the Holy Spirit, that Spirit in us, that affection, that love, that protection, that confidence. It's important. I want to be confident for the right reasons. Not because I think I'm all that. I'm not, but I'll be confident in my Father. I'll be confident in His love. I'll be confident in His protection. I'll be confident in His affection and His love over me. And I'm going to be a lot more loving person toward the people around me. Because you know what? I, I don't need or I can't or it's impossible for somehow for me to earn more love from my Heavenly Father. He loves me so much right now. I could never do anything to earn any more love from Him. And, and conversely from that, I'm not going to do anything to make Him stop loving me either. I can be confident to live my life. He's not fickle. He's not, he, he's not vain. He's not looking for me to boost him up in any way, shape, or form. He just wants to love me. And it makes me just want to love him back. But the affection, the emotion, the spontaneity is due a father. So the Holy Spirit is in us. We're alive to God. He's alive to us. And we're free. We're free. And, and I want to just take a side step here just for a second to say this. This was the principle by which historically our country was founded on. That God makes us free. And I'll step back to what I'm talking about now. But that's important to me. Because people don't know that. It's a popular notion that we get our freedom from the government. We don't get our freedom from the government. We get our freedom from God. Or a popular notion, we get our freedom from a document that was written 200 and how many years ago. Nope, we get our freedom from God. The document just re- just just recognizes that freedom it's more like and proclaims it. From the government. Right. <laughs> Well, all those, all those documents that were written so long ago were trying to keep us free from the government. Yeah. It's exactly the opposite of what actually is the truth. So, we're then empowered to walk after the Spirit. Because we've been set free. And so we make choices. You, you've been empowered to walk after the Spirit. You have. I have. And so you, you make a choice. You're going to walk after the Spirit, or as Paul describes it, are you going to walk after the flesh? And that's what—that's the question that's being asked in Galatians. That's the question that's being asked in Romans. That's the question that, that he, he poses even in a different form when he's talking to Timothy. It's like, how are you going to walk? And why? Are you going to head back into bondage? Are you going to head back into slavery? Have you been set free? Have you have a loving father that wants the best for you and he's looking out for you and he's looking for some love or, or he's ready to receive your love back? I don't know if he's looking for anything. But he's ready to receive it. How are you going to head back into slavery? And so we make a decision here that we've been empowered to walk after the Spirit. So we can't look at that and say, well, that's impossible because it's, it's entirely possible. We've been empowered to do it. What does it mean walking after the Spirit? Well, the things of the Spirit. What are the fruit of the Spirit? 
What's the direction of the Spirit? What are the gifts of the Spirit? What's the power of the Spirit? What's the calling of the Spirit? What's the purpose behind God's Spirit in us and through us? And you begin to think about those things and we've been empowered to walk after those things now. We can, if we choose to. You're not empowered to walk after the flesh. But you can still choose to do it. And so the Spirit is working in you right now the, the disposition of a child of God. He wants you to get that disposition in you. Like, I know my Father. I know who I serve. I know who I love and I know who loves me. And to get the disposition of a child of God in you. Spirit is working in you tonight for that. This message is designed and is, is being spoken to work in conjunction with the Holy Spirit in you to work the disposition of a child in you, a child of God. That's what we're doing. That's what He's doing in you tonight. Let's look at some more verses. John 1.12 let, let the Spirit, let the Word speak to you as the Holy Spirit's working that disposition of a child in you right now. John one uh, twelve. Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Yeah. Galatians 4.5 Galatians 4 5. To redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Alright. Uh, Ephesians 1 5. He, pre- he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Alright. His pleasure, even. Not only his will, but his pleasure. And so so you don't think I'm just picking a verse out of nowhere in the New Testament. Uh, yeah, this is a theme. Okay, this, this is an expectation in the church that, that we, we come into this understanding that we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us a disposition of a child. A child of God. This is expected of us. This is, this is something that God has for us to walk into to really live in. And it's not just one idea. It's not one time. It's over and over and over again in the New Testament. I mean, he's serious about it. And I don't know about you, but living in slavery stinks. It just really does. It just stinks. Living in fear stinks. Living in bondage stinks. And it's completely unnecessary for us. Completely. Now you go back into the Old Testament, and this idea was in the Old Testament too, of God as Father. 
And, and it's realized, and I want you to understand it, it's realized intimately in the New Testament. Let's hit a few Old Testament verses. Let, it, let these speak to you too. Isaiah 63, 16. Isaiah 63, 16. Yeah. You ever think about Father in the Old Testament? I mean, really, that that there was this concept of God is Father in the Old Testament? I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize that. But that's a part of how he's revealing himself. Uh, Hosea 11.1. 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. All right, Father, Son, Jeremiah three nineteen. I myself said, "How gladly would I treat you like my children, and give you a pleasant land, the most beautiful inheritance of any nation." I thought you would call me father and not turn away from following me. Yeah. And that verse is kind of interesting because he wants them to call him father. And he gives them gifts of land and, and, and opens up opportunities for them so that they would love him as a father. Which ultimately they didn't do. But that's what he wanted. Okay, uh, uh, Jeremiah 31, 9. For weeping, they will pray as they bring them back. They will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble because I'm Israel's, fa- I'm Israel's father and Ephraim is my first Alright, so so there's just a, a few verses from the Old Testament, and I just want to include that because I want you to understand this is his heart. This is our Father's heart, and this has been his heart from the beginning to the end, that he wants us to know him as Father. He wants you to know him as Father. And, and, and he gave us the Holy Spirit to work in us the disposition of being sons and daughters of God. Let it happen. Some of you came out of really religious backgrounds and, and there's bondage in that and there's slavery in that and, and there's, it's, it's a terrorizing system of threats. Let it go. Let it go. Please let it go. I mean, I plead with you every week if I have to. But I, I'm hoping that of your own volition, of your own accord, you're willing to let that go. And accept the love of a father who's been crying out to his people for thousands of years to love him as a father. That's what he wants. So he wants from you tonight. 
And so as the Spirit stirs that up in you, don't fight that. As the Spirit is stirring up that disposition, you're my son, you're my daughter. Let's let that just sink into us, into our spirit, into our soul, into our heart, into our mind. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I'm your child. And really allow that to solidify in our minds and our hearts and our lives tonight. God wants to release the emotion. God wants to release the spontaneity, the cry in us toward our Father. A passion of what it means to be His child. But you know that passion is not going to come out of you till you realize that you're His child. That passion is not going to come out of you until you realize, man, I'm His son. I'm His daughter. He's done everything that's necessary to, for me to come into that kind of relationship, that close relationship with Him. And it's a real thing. It's a real thing. He wants you to live in that. And so we're setting aside the fear, setting aside the terror, we're setting aside the, the whatever other bondages and dominant habits and frame of mind is contrary to our good Father. Thank you, God. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, as yeah, we wanna wanna give you affection tonight. But I pray that in each of us you would stir up a reality of sonship in us that you're really our father and you're here right now. You're here to love us, you're here to protect us, you're here to lead us and guide us. You're here to pour out wisdom into our lives. In a real way, you do all the things that a real father does. You give us your name. And I pray, God, that as we come into more and more of a knowledge of being a son or a daughter of yours, that that begin to affect our lives in every way. A new confidence and a new boldness. That we end up affecting our lives in, in a different way that we are protected, that, that we can show love and we can show affection freely. Because you love us. And so Father, we invite you into a primary relationship and a primary place in our lives. As we show you our love and we cry out to you. God, I pray for emotion to flow. I pray for affection to flow. I pray for the cry of our spirit to, to, to flow into this relationship, into this reality tonight. And God, as you stir us and as you begin to stir our spirits, to become alive to you, alive to God and free and all that that means, I pray, God, that you would just stir and work in us, a disposition in us. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. Thank you, God. And we'd walk into that reality.
that the hundreds of years that you've been calling, the thousands of years that you've been calling your people, saying you want to be our Father, I pray we'll answer that. Thank you. Thank you, God. I just want to encourage you just to respond to Him. Tonight as He's stirring you up, just respond to Him. In the midst of that stirring, just respond. Say, yeah, I'm your son. Yeah, I'm your daughter. And you may want to say, just call Him Dad. Call Him Dad. That's our common word for Father in our language is Dad. Let it be. Let it be that we speak to Him as our Father. Let it be that we speak to Him as our Dad. Let it be that we relate to Him as our Dad. The One who's been calling His people for thousands, hundreds of years, He's been calling out, Be my children. I want to be your Father. Well, answer Him tonight. Okay? Okay. Thanks for choosing me. Thanks for choosing me. Thanks for being my Father. Thanks for loving me. Thanks for protecting me. Thanks for taking care of me. Thanks for providing for me. Thanks for giving me wisdom. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I cry out to you, God. We cry out, Father. We cry out, Dad. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. God, I pray tonight, whatever hardness that might be in our hearts, you'd break it. And whatever hardness might be in our minds, that you'd break it in the name of Jesus. I pray it's flesh, the heart of flesh, the living heart crying out to you, the living heart connecting to you, the living heart that you're setting free and being brought to liberty tonight, the living heart. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray you continue this work in us. A work of freedom. A work of liberty. A work of relationship with you. For ask it in Jesus' name. Oh, amen. Amen. Does anybody have any uh, questions or comments? Anything you'd like to... Say or ask. I just think Garrett and Morgan are a great example <laughs> that they know who their freaking dad is. And they're just the way they see you is, is amazing. It's really cool to see. That's just a piggyback on that. I've known the children of. Preachers and then that they usually come up pretty, pretty mean or not. Uh, they rebel against it or something. So it's refreshing to see them. They come up with it. And 
Yeah, my mom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She went as far away as she could. Yep. All right. Well, amen. Thank you for being here tonight. I'm glad you could make it. And uh, always great to see everybody.